I've got news. Yep. I'm a I'm a denizen of Crispy Town now. Oh god, I forgot about yeah, okay. So I guess that's what we'll talk about. There's a there's a like seafood, it's called Seafood City. You seafood, you eat it, and they built an entire city with that philosophy. It was incredible. In a target. It's just like rapture. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, are we not giving articles to religious happenings now it's just rapture not the rapture no no no. like bioshock's rapture oh right that's what you people would assume when you say rapture first not yeah. the giant christian revelation and Rand's wet dream not Anne Rand was listen chick. listen christianity is so 2010 liam it's 2000 and late yeah. Messiah. 2000 and oh my later god it's gonna be 2000 Christ. and late teen in oh, oh, less than like four months I'm so into it. I'm going to say it the whole year. You're going to get sick of it by March. Uh, that's what my birthday is. That'll be my birthday present, is I get to say it one last time. Boy, I'm just fucking reassociating through this opening. <laughs> like it's a goddamn jazz concert. Uh, listen, I think we're both not like feeling super up to this right now. You've got allergies. I have some sort of like stomach bug because I cannot stop For one stop podcast, sharing. can we just not talk about your goddamn diarrhea of a stop. woman? It's Storyteller Podcasts about media. That's why we called it Media Majors. It is. Fucking uh, cluing you in on some behind-the-scenes shit. Uh, I'm Liam Sr. I yell about movies and TV, and I sound wonderful with my allergies. I'm Tom. This is my sultry voice, and I really like video games and internet culture, and each week... Do you, though? Liam and I... No, so I feel like after this podcast, I really you don't. don't. And every week, Liam and I research a true story from our preferred mediums surrounding a theme and read it to each other. And this week, our theme was scam artists. Yeah. All right. This one's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a fun one for me to edit. A lot yeah. of snorting going on. <clears throat> Alright, Tom, we're at a lavish party. Am I now? Oh you my goodness, I love these party. chandeliers and my debutante mask. <laughs> I just gave Tom a look that basically just said, oh, brother. Yeah, boy. You're at a lavish LA pot party. Is that Tom Cruise? It might be. And Nicole Kidman? What? In the 90s, maybe. You're at a lavish party. All the glitterati of Los Angeles are there. But at the head of the table is a man ordering expensive item after expensive item, laughing with his modeled girlfriend as he signs the $80,000 bill without even hesitating. Who is this man you say? Well, he says he's Christopher Rockefeller, part of the Rockefeller families that made a bunch of money doing oil and business. Mm -hmm. Here's the one thing, though. This dude's got the thickest French accent this side of Lyon. Really? Well, because... To my understanding, Liam, the Rockefellers were born and bred American. American as apple pie. It turns out that this man goes by many, many names. Christophe Rocancourt, also known as Christopher Rocancourt, was born on July 16th, 1967, in the small city of Honfleur, France. His father was an alcoholic house painter, a painter named Daniel Rocancourt, and his mother a 17-year-old prostitute named Enic Villers. The couple was married a month before Christoph was born, uh, and then the next year they welcomed a daughter, and then um, they just they just left. Uh, in 1969, the parents separated after his sister died during childbirth, so there's oh. probably a little bit more to the separation than just uh, boredom of having a child. <laughs> 
Uh, Christoph's father left the family to find work in Belgium because he thought that Annick was cheating on him. Christoph and his sisters were left with their grandparents in a two-room hovel, no running water or electricity. And then his dad returned to Belgium and started dating Christoph's aunt. And then she abandoned the family. And then Daniel was like, I'm just going to leave you guys in an orphanage. Well, to be honest with you, this kind of does sound like the backstory to somebody who would become a scam artist a little bit right? like you know danny ocean i'm danny ocean i don't have parents i'm really sad all the time and that's why i have to just keep robbing the bellagio uh, yep that's that's what he does every movie every single movie he robs yes, the, bellagio. the bellagio so he was adopted by a family that was a uh, the family was a really strict disciplinarian type of family and christoph hated it so at 18 he just moved to paris and he started committing forgery and petty thievery under the identity of a wealthy Russian nobleman, Prince de Galitzin. But the con didn't fool anybody, and he was arrested multiple times. <laughs> then at 23, Rokonku hit the big time. Yeah. Under the Russian al uh, alias, he managed to forge the deeds for a building in the center of Paris and sold it for a sweet $1.4 million. Ooh, nice. And I bet you after that, he stopped there. He was like, you know what? It's like the 1950s or whenever, and I have got it made. You idiot. He took the money and fled to Switzerland, got roped up in a jewelry heist that he was never convicted for, and then... In 1991, he moved to sunny Hollywood, Los Angeles, California. Ooh, that's where we live. That is. In fact, Tom, go answer the door. <laughs> Christopher Rock and Koo is here to oh do an interview. Oh my goodness. That's... Oh, hang on a second, Liam. I think you're right. I think somebody is at the door. Do you hear that? So basically, when he went to LA, he just said that he was a movie producer or a boxing promoter or a venture capitalist or the rich nephew of Oscar De La Renta or the nephew of Dino De La Renta's or the son of Sophie Loren. And people believed him. He quickly started mixing it with high rollers of the city, hanging out in all of the flashy Hollywood haunts and would just like flash out some of his cash when it was like strategically appropriate. He never wanted anyone to know that he only had like that 1.4 million plus whatever he got in mm. Switzerland. He had to make sure that he kept looking like he had the most money. Because once the cash would roll in, the high profile friends and the relationships came with it. He, he, bleh, he befriended Jean-Claude Van Damme. No way. Convincing him to agree to work on a film. Together. Learned how to kick really good. Learned how to, ki learned how to kick a boxer. Man. He also, uh, Grokonku, also lived with Mickey Rourke for a while before striking up a relationship with play Playboy model Pia Rias. The pair even got married and had a child named Zeus. Man, that's a fucking ego right there. It should be illegal to name your own children. After gods, yeah. All while Grokonku was having an affair with another Playboy model, Rhonda Rydell by telling her that he was the son of a rich French countess. By 97, after a number of complaints and unpaid bills and unreturned uh, investments, the police raided Rokunku's hotel suite. They found a gold Rolex, an unregistered 38 caliber pistol. I'm aware of what's happening with my nose, Tom. <laughs> Liam's nose is leaking like a faucet. <laughs> He's just reading the story like a champ. Continue. They found a gold Rolex, an unregistered .38 caliber pistol, a diary with the initial CR on it, and an autographed picture of Michael Jackson, a bogus lease for a private jet, and a genuine U.S. passport bearing Rokunku's name, oh my God. which he had bribed a passport officer to get in the this, first place. This episode's so wet and this slimy. Episode, all right, I'm just going to go blow my nose for what'll probably be like at least four more times. <laughs> of course, Rockinku was aware that he was being investigated, and just before the raid, he had taken off on a lavish tour of Asia, 
with a friend named Charles Glenn. So he had millions of profits. He like had people basically when he what he was doing in LA to make money. It's like a very classic pyramid style scheme scam. He'd just be like, I have an idea for an investment, and rich people would just throw their money at him. Yeah. And then he would just leave. Weird. That sounds, the book. that sounds exactly like what happens in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Uh, so Rock and Koo, after, after uh, hanging out in the Far East, decided, ah, I'm going to move back to Los Angeles. Even calling the detective in charge of his case to let him know he was coming back and telling him, <laughs> if you do arrest me, I'll just bail out and flee the country anyway. And that's what happened. He was picked up, arrested, posted his bail, and disappeared. The U.S. justice system at work, ladies and gentlemen. So L.A. was a bust for old Kristoff, so he did the next best thing. He moved to NYC and claimed to be a Rockefeller. He was renting a hotel suite in the exclusive Hamptons area of Long Island for 15 grand a week, and basically just did the con man thing again. Just got people to transform 50 bucks or $100,000 investments into millions, just getting rich people to keep giving him money. Now under the alias Christopher Rockefeller, as in the member of the fictional French branch of the American family, I see. the French Rockefellers. <laughs> However, people in New York were a little more shrewder, so uh, only a few months had passed before he was arrested in the Hamptons for not paying his hotel bill. The easiest wait, wait, thing he could what? have done. Yeah, the he's only got, reason he he's gets got done. Rich people literally handing him palms full of money. Hotel bills. Why? I don't know. Wait. Luckily for Rock and Coop, police didn't run his fingerprints on a nationwide search, so they did not know about the whole L.A. thing. Um, they set the bail at forty-five thousand, easily paid it, fled the country. Dude, just pay your just pay your hotel bill. It's so much easier and cheaper than keeping posting your own bail. Well, after numerous brushes with the law, Rokunku should have quit, but then in 2001, he and his wife Pia Rias were arrested in Canada after being charged with defrauding an elderly couple out of $100,000 in a real estate scam. Oh my god. So after brushing up with like the Hollywood elites, he's just like, I'm going to con old people in Canada. <laughs> he pled guilty to the to defrauding the couple the L.A. charges of the firearm possession and bribing the passport and the fraud charges in New York. He was sentenced to serve five years in prison and repay $1.2 million damage. Not even... An, uh, that's lower than the first scam he ever made. Uh, Rokencourt pled guilty to all this stuff but said that his wife had no idea what was going on. And she said, yep, that's... Yep, that's that. Yep, 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 yep. yep. <laughs> I like that idea. So he went to prison. You'd think he'd stop there, right? Absolutely not. No, no, no. This guy's on a roll. He wrote a book. In prison. Oh my god. I, Christopher Rockenkoo, orphan playboy prisoner, where he claimed he made more than 40 million from his scams. He was released in 2007. He started dating former Miss France, Sonia Rowland, who he had a daughter with, and was even spotted attending the Cannes Film Festival with Naomi Campbell. In 2014, Rockenkoo was caught up again in crime as he was arrested along with his lawyer, his 23 year old girlfriend, and a member of the French police who he alleged to have bribed in order to genuinely. Who he's alleged to have bribed in order to get genuine passports and visas for people who he charged a fee for. You had to just lean back so he would, so gravity would stop him from leaking. Yep. The case is still ongoing, but uh, he's probably just going to get out of it very soon because he's Hollywood's most notorious scam artist. Here's the thing about Hollywood scam artists. Yeah. I was talking to Tom about this yesterday. It's kind of hard to find out the uh, like actuality of their scams. Because the people they scam are so embarrassed that they've been scammed 
that they don't tell anybody. Yeah, well then then if if rich people were honest with everybody about how stupid they were with their money, like I don't know, the say if you paid apart. like I don't know, maybe like 4,000 a month for a country club or something like that. Um then the entire world would go, oh, you don't get to be the ruling class anymore because you're all a bunch of fucking idiots. Also, we looked over your tax returns and it seems like you spent 800000 on something called the P-tape. It also seems... <laughs> I would like to see like this like you P-tape, don't sir. pay your taxes. This is weird. You've got all the money. Why aren't you paying for any of this? We're going to take a break so that we can pay the bills. And by that, I mean just advertise the other shows on our network. Do you find yourself unable to watch television? Who has the time? Well, luckily, we do. I'm Liam Sr. I'm Josh Phillips. We host a podcast where we watch old canceled TV for For you. Musty TV, every Thursday on the Major Cast Network. My father says we're crazy. My mother won't talk to me anymore. God, Liam is shoving tissue paper into his nose. This is disgusting. So the leak won't happen. This is like watching somebody try to plug up a submarine. Liam Sr. Wait, hold on. How do you think submarines work? Well, sometimes submarines can spring leaks, and that's a problem because they're under the water usually. They just plug it up with toilet paper? No, with gum. No. I don't want you to ever captain a submarine. Chapter 1. Jabroni. 2003. <laughs> in 2003, three student filmmakers, Jason Russell, Bobby Bailey, and Laren Poole, go to Africa. They do not yet know what they are looking for other than, quote, a story. Good God, man. Here's another quote from Laren Poole. When we first started, I knew I wanted to go to Africa. The continent intrigued me. The mystery. It is one of the only places in the world that is unexplored, end quote. We here in Media Majors would like to apologize to non-white people in the whole world for things that white people do and say. Yeah, um, maybe we should just give a broad trigger warning on this episode for racism. This is about a lot of very stupid white people. So stupid white people warning. They end up in Uganda. Pool, 19 at the time, Recall seeing hundreds of children fleeing the countryside and sleeping in the streets of the northern Ugandan city he, Russell, and Bailey were staying in. Quote, I thought, this can't be happening. I thought this can't go on anymore. End quote. These children were fleeing the Lord's Resistance Army, who I'm going to go on a tangent and talk about now because it's important that we know and understand the Lord's Resistance Army. It's led by a man named Joseph Coney. Have you guys figured out the story yet? Coney formed his LRA in response to atrocities such as genocide, rape, and general destruction committed in the 80s by the National Resistance Army, now known as the Uganda People's Defense Force. The LRA was known for many atrocities of its own, including child soldiers, rape, and the taking of child sex slaves. Coney would claim to be possessed by spirits, often multiple times a day, to add a religious justification for his words and actions. The impact of Coney and his LRA cannot be understated. They are responsible for the deaths of tens of thousands, an act of genocide that is still felt in the affected communities today. In 2006, UNICEF would estimate that the LRA had abducted over 25,000 children since 1987. This is what the children, witnessed by Russell, Bailey, and Poole, were fleeing. The children would stay in the city because, you know, more rural towns were subject to night raids from the LRA. Right. 
The three men would go on to spend the year collecting footage for what would be the original Invisible Children documentary draft. Here's a quote. Here's another quote from Poole. This is our moon shoot. We're going to end Africa's longest running war. End quote. I wish that more young white filmmakers would try to change the world. <laughs> Where is the telethon for the noble white documentarian? Their initial efforts were well received back in the States, with positive praise coming from figures such as 2008 presidential hopeful Senator Brownback, Oprah Winfrey, and director John Turtletaub of National <laughs> Treasure, Treasure National Treasure 2 and The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Yeah. Yeah, I know Turtletaub. Riding high on their moderate success, Jason Russell had this to say of the future of his <laughs> activism. Can I make a quick pun? Yes. Hey, what's a... What... <laughs> yeah. What's yeah. Portis's favorite style of board game? I don't know, Liam, you tell me. Turtle Top Games. <laughs> Jason Russell, quote, For us, the journey's the destination. Nope. Where it ends hey, up. Hey, buddy, different things. Who knows the power of, of potential that this can create? We are excited about telling the stories of invisible children around the world. Our responsibility is telling their stories well and to the best of our abilities. End quote. Chapter two. So, on March 5th, 2012, Russell, Bailey, and Poole's organization, Invisible Children, releases a video entitled, Coney 2012. Uh, initially, Liam and I were gonna just like watch it separately and then like splice in stuff, but we realized very quickly that we ought to just do like a riff track. So we're gonna do something different. If you wanna skip this section, look in the description. There'll be a time code to skip the next about 30 minutes, but we're gonna sit down and watch Coney 2012 in its entirety. Live. Live and on the air. Hey everybody, it's Tom here. So what we're about to do is literally just watch Coney 2012 and provide like live commentary, but just so everybody's aware, there will be large swaths of long silence because there are some very serious topics discussed in the Coney 2012 video. Uh, this can be a, a bit of a multimedia, media majors experience. Uh, we've got the audio specially edited for our commentary in this episode, but we do give a 3, 2, 1 silent go count. So if you want to watch Coney 2012 alongside us and give your hot takes with the boys, then uh, I'd recommend you go to a computer and set that up. Anyways, I hope you enjoy the rest of the podcast. Thanks for listening. Three, two, one. Right now, there are more people on Facebook than there were on the planet 200 years ago. Humanity's greatest desire is to belong and connect. And now we see each other. Email this video. <laughs> I love you. I love you. I hate both of you. Take a picture. We share what we love, and it reminds us what we all have in common. Dug out alive and well after... <laughs> that kid is like, hey! <laughs> you believe in yourself? 
you love that kid. So now technically your device is on. <laughs> Can you tell? And this connection is changing the way the world works. Governments are trying to keep up. Uh, no, we can't test the freedom. And older generations are concerned. Many people are very concerned about tomorrow. They could get worse next year. The game has new rules. None of this <laughs> means anything. The game has new rules. Now third base is Chad's dad's shed, and the safe zone is the tree in his front yard. <laughs> Great story begins with, right? The birth of a white child? The birth of a white child. This is where or when he was born. But because he's here, he matters. You made it. My name is Jason Russell, and this is my son, Gavin. Dumb kid. I promise you this video is about Uganda, but right now I really First want to talk about fucking Gavin. I really want to show you all the pictures of my kid. <laughs> Look how many I've got on my wallet. Yeah, it's cool that Jason Russell just filmed his wallet for 29 minutes. Yeah. You do this. And just like his dad, he likes being in movies. Action. Listen, I don't mean to Siskel and Ebert you, but that rocket looks fake as shit. But he was born into a pretty complicated world. And as a dad, think of it. Think up, Gavin. Think of this poor white kid who has to live in a world where other people are struggling. I see a way to get there. It has become my job. Who are you to end a war? I'm here to tell you, who are you not to? Hey, Gavin, what's up? Years before Gavin was born, the course of my life was changed entirely by another boy. And who's this right here? Jacob. Who's Jacob? Jacob is our friend in Africa. It's been almost 10 years since Jacob and I became friends. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, they're nice. They're different than sharks. But when my friends and I first met him in Uganda, in Central Africa, it was in very different circumstances. He was running for his life. Uh, you go to school here. Yes. Yes, that's how you know English so well. I know. Yeah. How many nights have you stayed here? The night I first met Jacob, he told me what he and other children in northern Uganda were living through. We worried the rebel when they raise us again, then they, they will kill us. My brother tried to escape, 
Then they kill using panga. They cut his neck. Did you see it? I saw. We fear that if we sleep at our home, we can be abducted by the rebels. Because our home is far away from town. They will catch us, then they will take us there in the bush. So come here to save our life. God, these guys are so painful. They're painful human beings. For me, I wanted to be lawyer, but no money. I don't have money to pay my school fees so that I learn and then I be lawyer. After spending a few weeks with Jacob, he told me something I would never forget. So it is better when you kill us. And if, if possible, you can kill us, you kill us. For us, we don't want now to stay. Because you we don't are, want to stay on Earth. We are only to no one taking care of us. We are not going to school. So You how would rather we... die than stay on Earth. Yes. How... Now, even now. Even now. How is, are we going to stay in our future? He told me more about his brother and what he would say to him if he were still alive. I love you, but now I miss you. So it is better when we meet. We are going, even if we are not going to meet, but we, are, we, we may meet in heaven, you see. So it is better. I will not talk much. I will start something. Because if I saw my brother once again, I don't. Everything in my heart told me to do something. And so I made him a promise. And we are also going to do everything that we can to stop them. Yes. Do you hear my words? Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Hmm? Yes. We are. We're going to stop them. We're going to stop them. I made that promise to Jacob, not knowing what it would mean, but now I do. Over the past nine years, I have fought to fulfill it, and the fight has led me here, to this movie you're watching, because that promise is not just about Jacob, or me. It's, it's about, about Gavin. Gavin. <laughs> and this year, 2012, is the year that we can finally fulfill it. And if we succeed, we change the course of human history. But time is running out. To level with you, this movie expires on December 31st, 2012. What? Wait, that's weird, because it's September 14th, 2017, LRA, and we're watching leader, this video. Joseph Coney. And I'm about to tell you exactly how we're going to do it. Tell me, documentarian Jason Russell, Eight? how exactly are we going to stop Coney?
So the thing is, my son Gavin has never, I've never really explained to him what I do. He knows I work in Africa, but he doesn't know what the war's about or who Joseph Coney is. So I'm gonna explain it to him for the first time today. Fuck yeah, Gavin. So Gav, are you ready? Yeah. I'm gonna ask you some questions okay. and you can just look at me and ask and answer the questions to me. I'm going to nervous. You should what be, you fuck. You should be, Jason you Russell is your be. dad. Your dad is about to bombard you with sadness. Your life's about to get different uh, in yeah, a couple dude. of months. Do you know where Star Wars people. Star Wars people? Yeah. Those are the bad guys? Yeah. Can I tell you the bad guy's name? Yeah. This is the this is the guy, Joseph Coney. He's the bad guy? Yeah. Who's this? Jacob. Joseph Coney, he has um, an army. Well, we have okay? a Hulk. <laughs> and what he does is he takes children from their parents and he gives them a gun to shoot and he makes them shoot and kill other people. Kevin, Kevin looks like he is looking over a healthcare bill <laughs> and he's like, oh no, this won't do. Yeah, they don't want to do what he says, but he forces them to do bad things. What do you think about that? Sad. I couldn't explain to Gavin the details of what Joseph Coney really does. Because the truth is, Coney abducts kids just like Gavin. Ah! 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 Does he love? Does he love? Does he love Jesse Russell? You've made the cake, but you forgot the flour. <laughs> okay. Turning the girls into sex slaves and the boys into child soldiers. He makes them mutilate people's faces. And he forces them to kill their own parents. And this is not just a few children. It's been over 30,000 of them. And Jacob was one of those children. As if Coney's crimes aren't bad enough, he is not fighting for any cause, but only to maintain his power. He is not supported by anyone, and he has repeatedly used peace talks to rearm and murder again and again. Coney, different times, proposed peace and then just regain strength and attack. This is the head prosecutor for the International Criminal Court. In 2002, when the court was started, their job was to find and demand the arrest of the world's worst criminals. Although there are a lot of warlords, murderers, and dictators in the world, the perversity of Coney's crimes made him first on the court's list. Coney is the first guy indicted by the SEC. But the crime basically are these, are crimes against humanity and war crimes committed against the civilian population, including murder, sexual slavery, rapes, abductions. We need to plan how to arrest Connie. Start to plan and start to be serious. In fact, the only way to stop Connie is showing him, guy, we're going to arrest you. That's your, that always works for the people. Hey, criminal, what don't do, do the bad thing or we'll arrest you. 
You should stop him. The criminal here is cunning. Stop him and then solve all the problems. Because that's how it works, right? Yeah, you cut off the head. It's obvious that Coney should be stopped. The problem is 99% of the planet doesn't know who he is. If they knew, Coney would have been stopped long ago. Let the world, let the international community take justice to him there. Follow him wherever he is. First, to rescue our children. And secondly, to deliver, deliver the justice. We are determined to cooperate with any friend of Uganda to ensure that this mindless killing and slaughter is ended. When my friends and I came home from Uganda, in our designer one of them is wearing, yeah, is wearing like a $5,000 hat. But everyone in Washington we talked to said, there is no way the United States will ever get involved in a conflict where our national security or financial interests aren't at stake. Uh, <laughs> what are you talking about? Are you sure about that? We do enough because it's simply not an important enough issue on the radar screen of American foreign policy. Since the government said it was impossible, we didn't know what else to do but tell everyone we could about Jacob and the Invisible Children. They all look like Max Landis at Show different parts of the odds. Yeah. All three of them look like they're it's different iterations of the same Max Landis. And when we did, people were shocked, and their awareness turned into action. We started something. We a tried community. to create Invisible Children. We created children. a Facebook page. That have been living in this conflict their entire okay, life. I love it that the number ticks up to 30. 30. I was about to say, I was about to say. So usually when you see like, oh wow, a bunch of online created. things are happening, like a big and number, you'll wow. see like six digits moving and it'll go up. They just showed like one, one to 31. As the LRA began to move into other countries, I don't know if you just caught that, but he, but he completely brushed over this. The fact that Kony is not Uganda anymore and has left. Completely he glosses over that. They felt compelled to tell the world that Coney was still out there and had to be stopped. I'm here so proud advocating for the people who are back at home. And this change you're going to make is going to last forever. One time we had a, in my high school, we, we had a, around um, the idea that where had a, a, a kid who was from Africa. It was from Nigeria, I believe. And he was giving a presentation on a lot of the same stuff that's happening in Nigeria. It's very intense, very sad stuff. And um, then afterwards, someone uh, had asked him if they could ask a girl to prom after the assembly. So after we see this slideshow of like, Horrible atrocities. It just says, "Hey, Veronica, prom," and I was oh always my like, God. "Oh, they're brilliant." Providing education. She said yes. We created jobs. I wouldn't have said yes. <laughs> I would not have either. I wouldn't have said yes to, to Duncan. Now they have hope. And we built an early warning radio network on the front line of the war to protect villages from rebel attacks. To update real time what's happening on a war zone eight thousand miles away. All of this was funded by an army of young people. An army young of young people. white people. Look at, they're wearing white t-shirts They are, right guys, now. it was a group of white people wearing white t-shirts standing in a giant peace uh, doing sign the wave. doing the wave. And you know, activism, the wave. And as a result, the unseen became visible. This is my fight song. Stop. We will not fear. We 
Hell yeah. Fucking Mumford and Sons coming in. Oh my god. Um, Howdy, how do we take this already incredibly white-centered activism video and make it even whiter? I've talked to people from Mexico, from Canada, from every other state that I can think of. We're all doing this for the exact same reason, and we're all coming from completely different places. This is what the world should be like. So with hundreds of thousands of people with us, we went back to Washington, D.C., and we met with congressmen and senators one by one. And said, hey, on how about this time? How about, how about, how about now? Democrats. How about now, John Kerry? They all agreed with us. Joseph Coney's crimes had to be stopped. Of all the problems that are out there, ah, it's Jim Inhofe, is more severe than Republican senator from Oklahoma, and takes the lives of little kids. These young members of the Invisible Children Organization know that no child should live in fear of being abducted or killed. So they were determined to become their voice. They realized that these African children and families—it is good God—we yeah, still have ten minutes. So they decided to make them visible. And what I was told would never this happen. This is the weirdest video of one last meeting I've ever seen. <laughs> In furtherance of the Congress's stated policy, I have authorized a small number of U.S. forces to deploy to Central Africa to provide assistance to regional forces that are working toward the removal of Joseph Kony from the battlefield. Sincerely, Barack Obama. <laughs> Who? I don't know, never heard of him. Oh, that name, that name sounds familiar. It reminds me of a golden time. Through advice and assistance, not putting Americans into combat to help the countries of the region end this threat once and for all, then that was a worthwhile investment. We used to think we could not do it, and now when I see we can do it, I am overwhelmed. After eight years of work, the government finally heard us. And in October of 2011, a hundred American advisors were sent into Central Africa to assist the Ugandan army in arresting Kony and stopping the LRA. It was the first time in history that the United States took that kind of action because the people demanded it. Not for self-defense, but because it was right. It was right for the U.S. to, to fucking to stick their grubby paws in our business. come so far, but Kony is still out there. He's recently changed his tactics, making it even more difficult to capture him. And international support could be removed at any time. If we take the pressure off, if we're not successful, he is going to be growing his numbers. People forget. And, and you got to remind him, and it takes. I think it history. it is a little weird that not weird, but telling that we keep getting the perspective of this Republican senator from Oklahoma and his opinions on the crisis in Uganda. It's it's got to be 2012. It's not bad for the youth. It's bad for the world if we fail. It's not important just for Ugandan people. It's important for everyone. 
it's hard to look back on some parts of human history because when we heard about injustice, we cared, but we didn't know what to do. Too often, we did nothing. So we found stock footage. So, so it, we, we filmed us that, doing nothing. We have to start somewhere. So we're starting here with Joseph Coney because now we know what to do. Here it is. Ready? In order for Coney to be arrested this year, the Ugandan military has to find him. In order to find him, they need the technology and training to track him in the vast jungle. That's where the American advisors come in. But in order you know, because the, the people who lived here and have been there, dealing with this crisis the their whole lives have no fucking idea how to handle it. Clearly, nope. clearly, Jason Russell doesn't believe the people care about arresting Coney. The mission will be canceled. In order for the people to care, they have to know, and they will only know if Coney's name is everywhere. Stop. Your TV's got dominoed. This is the dream. Good God, man, there's Coney still seven minutes left. There's still seven minutes left, homie. I thought we were on the wrap And the abducted here. children returned home. Here's the biggest problem. Do you want to know what it is? Yeah. Nobody knows who he is. I don't know. Yeah, Jim Einhoff just did a little Google search. Shut the fuck up, Gavin. No, I did Gavin's Google, the star of the show. I did a little Google search on Jim Inhofe, and he is one of the most conservative members of uh, the House of Congress. Fun. He's a, oh yeah, he thinks global warming is a hoax. Good. Nope, he's apparently got very outspoken pro-Israel opinions. He hates gay people. He hates LGBT. to the light. And we are starting this year, 2012. We are targeting 20 culture makers and 12 policymakers to use their power for good. Let's start with the 20 culture makers. Celebrities, athletes, and billionaires have a loud voice, and what they talk about spreads instantly. I want, I'd like indicted war criminals to enjoy the same level of celebrity as me. That seems fair. That's our objective, is to just shine a light on it. Uh, human vocal fry, George, George, maybe, maybe, maybe let Amal talk. Maybe let her yeah, handle this. this. Influential culture makers to speak out about Coney and make him famous. Oprah, Mark Zuckerberg, Ryan Seacrest, then we're going oh, after thank God. Bono is going to tell us that Jason Coney is a bad man. There's an old joke, I forget who told it, one of my favorites, but it's someone's on a YouTube show and Bono is Oh my is God, he's showing New Gingrich! Fighting and name calling. No matter what side you're on, this is something we can all agree on. If a senator or congressman notices 25 phone calls on any issue, on any given day, it is noted. When citizens by the hundreds of thousands start demanding that everyone in that montage was wearing a knit hat it becomes in the national interest of the united states government to, to respond to this problem we've identified the 12 oh my god a lot of republicans on so we're targeting them on our website we've made it easy to write them directly call them meet with them and get their attention if my son were kidnapped and forced to kill it would be all over the news so we are making Coney world news by redefining the propaganda we see all day, every day. This is actual garbage. It is. I, I cannot believe we fell for this. I cannot believe, like, okay, collectively you know, people fell for this. Oh, I, I don't own my own magazine or news station. I'm I, embarrassed I that I did. Say, 
But seeing what I've done, I think it's empowered a lot of people to realize that one individual can make an impact. And I actually want to demystify and say, here are these really simple tools. Go out. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know. Hammers, nails, screwdrivers, buckets. Yeah, the problem with Coney was that Uganda wasn't thinking simple enough. Yeah, they were, they were trying to do these ask, weird, complicated things. Coney? We have printed hundreds of thousands of posters, stickers, yard signs, and flyers that are right now, today, being put up in major cities all over the world. We have thousands of Coney 2012 bracelets that we want everyone to wear this year only. Each bracelet has a unique ID number. Input that number and you enter the mission to make Coney famous. You can geotag your posters. I, I made Coney famous. <laughs> I made Coney famous. Box called the Action Kit. I miss the old Jason Russell, the not jacket off in the San Francisco streets. Jason Russell. If you want to help fund our we'll get there, guys. Programs, we'll get there. Donate a few dollars a month through Try, and you can have the Action Kit for free. Ah, oh, what? Wow, crazy. I want an Action today. Kit. But all of these efforts will culminate on one day. An Action Kit April is a kit 20th, that was directed by Mick G. This is the day when we will meet at sundown and blanket every street in every city till the sun comes up. We will be smart and we will be thorough. We will give stilted voiceovers to, to our douchey video project. Hundreds <laughs> of thousands of posters demanding justice on every corner. Oh, dubstep, millennials love the so cool. Activism so cool, dubstep. Let's get fingered while we do activism. Two fingers in, one thumb up for yes. Activism. It's not done The decisions made by the few, with the money and the power, dictated the priorities of their government and the stories in the media. They determine the lives and the opportunities of their citizens. But now there is something bigger than that. This is like Jason the Russell's of the fucking manifesto. Look at this. Look at his his society pyramid. Capital <laughs> at the top, of course. Uh, oh shit! Tom, the pyramid went upside down. Whoa! Now it's a fat bottom girl. We are living in a new world, Facebook world, in which 750 million people share ideas. Not thinking in borders. It's a global community bigger than US. Joseph Coney was committing crimes for 20 years and no one cared. We care. We have reached a crucial time in history. <laughs> you say that now in 2011. Oh, Check back again in five years, buddy. It will affect every generation to come. Arresting Joseph Coney will prove that the world we live in has new rules. That the technology Gavin! together is allowing us to respond to the problems of our friends. When it ends finally by bringing God justice, it should be celebrated like worldwide. We are not just studying human history. We are. It is really gross how he's using his like friend as life. this prop. Yeah, oh, makes my fucking behind. skin crawl. One that Gavin can be proud of. A place that doesn't allow Joseph Coney's and child soldiers. A place where children, no matter where they live, have a childhood free from fear. I'm gonna be like you, Dad. When you grow oh, up, Gavin. jerking it in the streets of San Fran. I'm gonna come with you to Africa. The better world we no, want. No, Gavin, the whole point coming. of this video is that your dad doesn't just want that. For us to stop at nothing.
Oh my god. I uh, how about how about the ocean? I cannot fucking believe right, this. Are we done with this bullshit? We are yeah, we I can't. We, we don't need to see the last 30 seconds or whatever. Fuck this. Wow! It has been a long time since I've seen that video. So the hey, uh, sorry. Hey, if you just got back in, we just watched the Coney video. And it, oh my god, it was so rough. A lot of Republican Congress people saying why it's good for the U.S. to meddle in Uganda's affairs. The initial response to this garbage was absurdly positive. It went viral. I mean, like you're probably you listening are probably old enough to remember it happening. I know we were. I was in. Had to blow my nose again. We keep talking about Cuddy. I was in senior year when it happened, and uh, like it, it got eight million videos, uh, eight million views on Vimeo, and nine million on YouTube, and the campaign would end up raising thirty million dollars. <laughs> Poor Liam. Every single person was sharing this video. It was on Facebook. It was on Twitter. It was all over the place. It had when we were watching it just now. I'm gonna wait till I get back to the microphone to say this. When we were watching it just now, it had over a hundred million views. Every everyone was sharing it. Well, not everybody, but um, I wasn't. A lot of white people were sharing it, going like, "Wow, we're gonna do it. We're gonna stop Coney, right?" Chapter three. Phony twenty twelve. Oh yes. Oh boy. You were wrong. I love these chapter names you're doing. So very quickly, people realize that this is a scam. Here's the thing. Coney, at the time of Coney 2012, had not been in Uganda for six years at this point. He actually mentions that very briefly about halfway through the video where he, like, has a little infographic of a red blob being in Uganda and then moving to another country. And then th and that blob is meant to represent Coney and the LRA. It's a lot. A lot of forethought was put into it, was yeah. what we're trying to say. Additionally, his forces, 1,000 strong, now numbered in the mere hundreds, around uh, three to 400, according to an estimate by the Institute for National Strategic Studies. My favorite institute. This fact and the others that follow are not to say that Coney is no longer a threat or that he and his legacy don't continue to damage people's lives. This is just to say that Coney 2012 wildly misrepresented the facts in a cynical ploy to gain capital. That was the most Tom sentence I've ever heard. Cynical ploy to gain capital is your fucking rap name. Cause oh yeah, that's right. Um, where does that money for the thirty dollar action kit go? Well, the action kit's supposed to be free, Tom. Only if you donate dollars to a separate charity, you can buy it for thirty dollars directly from their uh, store. I guess. I blame Gavin. According to Jedediah Jenkins, <laughs> still funny. Invisible Children's director of ideology. Quote. 37% of our budget goes directly to Central African-related programs. About 20% goes to salaries and overhead, and the remaining 43% goes to our... Slush fund. Awareness programs. Jason Russell's personal bank account. So, that's weird. How, how much you say? Gavin's college fund. Those numbers sound a little funny. That doesn't sound very much like an aid organization at all. But, like, approaching nuclear disaster funny, not, like, Jerry Seinfeld funny. Nearly two-thirds of the money does not go directly towards aid. Continued quote from Jedediah Jenkins. <laughs> the truth about invisible children is that we are not an aid organization, and we don't intend to be. I think, what? I think people think we're over there delivering shoes or food, but we are an advocacy and awareness organization. So, essentially, they get 
paid to just be like, hey, there's a thing happening. <laughs> they're, um, they're like uh, Instagram models. Thanks to Conan 2012, Invisible Children was able to, get this, triple their income to $9 million a year. Oh, wow. Did any of that money go to African children? Most of their raised funds ended up being spent in the U.S. This cash ended up being spent so loosely that they offered to fly critics of their video out to visit them. A round-trip ticket, one critic estimated to be worth around $3,000. That's cool. That means that these guys are cool people. Oh, well, you don't believe us? We'll fucking, we'll fucking fly you out here with our unedited <laughs> slush money. Invisible Children defended their oversimplified, misleading activism as an awareness campaign. But at the end of the day, we know that their presentation of activism is harmful. It embraces a kind of Rumsfeld-esque open arms mentality that believes that the problems will just be fixed by, you know, sending the U.S. into a foreign country to take care of the bad man. You know what? Everybody else, that, everybody else will fall in line and they'll be so grateful to us for it. It's worked every single time, Tom. It also fails to specify the parameters by which we must stop Coney. Any U.S. involvement in the national security of another nation always means drones, especially under President Obama. Uh, and you know, President Bill Clinton. As you know, as we well know, the U.S. conducts drone strikes with extreme prejudice, willfully killing civilians if it means getting their man. Also, what do we do about the child soldiers? Do we kill them too? Do we rehabilitate them? These are, these are questions that are extremely important and central to the topic at hand that are not addressed in the video. Oh, no, no, don't worry, Tom. I've got Gavin on the phone, and he is going to answer all of these questions. <laughs> When you leave these questions up to those in power, they will, more often than not, advocate for bombing. Again, one of the grim legacies of the Obama administration was his frequent and emphatic approvals of drone strikes. The film whitewashes nasty questions like this by peddling its racist, condescending white savior narrative, almost completely ignoring Ugandan voices. Speaking of which, what did Uganda think of the film? Here's a few quotes from Ugandan voices. I didn't like it. <laughs> Angelo Opiaya Izama, a journalist and a researcher based in Kampala, Uganda, writes, The simplicity of the good versus evil, where good is inevitably white Western and bad is black or African, is also reminiscent of some of the worst excesses of the colonial era interventions. These campaigns don't just lack scholarship or nuance. They are not bothered to seek it. Hell yeah. TMS Rouge is the Ugandan-born co-founder of Project Diaspora. He had this to say. It is a slap in the face to so many of us who want to rise from the ashes of our tumultuous past and the noose of benevolent, paternalistic, aid-driven development memes. We Africans are sandwiched between our historically factual imperfections and well-intentioned road-to-hell-building do-gooders. It is a suffocating state of existence. To be properly heard, we must ride the coattails of self-righteous idiocy train. Even then, we have to fight for our voices to be respected. Fucking. He just fucking sunned this boy. And finally, Rosebel Kagumire, a Ugandan multimedia journalist, published a video on Kone 2012. She had this to say. This is me talking about the danger of portraying people with one single story and using old footage to cause hysteria when it could have been possible to get D to DRC and other affected countries, get a fresh perspective, and also include other actors. The film was famously met with jeers and derision in Uganda, most notably in Lira, one of the areas ravaged by Kony and his LRA. Uh, citizens of Lira threw objects at the screen, shouted, <laughs> and booed. <laughs> one man, Oaken, 
whose father and brother were abducted by the LRA and who lost his own arm in one of their raids, had the following to say. How can anybody expect me to wear a t-shirt with Coney's name on it? For all the victims, the attempt to make Coney famous so as to prop up public support for his apprehension is laudable, but the way this goal is pursued in the video is inappropriate and ignores their feelings. That fame is not what Coney deserves for causing so much suffering. People were asking, why give such criminals celebrity status? Why not prioritize addressing the plight of the victims whose sufferings are visible? Epilogue. Stop, stop, Coney. <laughs> On March 15th, Jason Russell was apprehended by San Diego police during a mental breakdown, fueled both by the backlash to Coney 2012 and a, to this day, unspecified drug. For some reason, the rumor mill has just, like, decided that it was cocaine, but there's never been any, like, specific... I don't care about this, Tom. Get to the meat and potatoes of this! Jason Russell was captured on video walking the streets of San Diego, oh. naked, screaming obscenities, what? hitting oh. cars, and masturbating. Jack, 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 jack it off! Boner 2012. They released a follow-up, Coney 2012 Part 2, Beyond Famous, to little to no fanfare. He made Coney famous. And then 2013 came and went with no Coney capture. Weird, huh? Weird how it doesn't work like that. You know what was captured? Jason Russell jacking out in the streets of San Diego on tape. <laughs> Though his whereabouts are currently unknown, both the US and Uganda have ended the hunt for Coney as of April of 2017, prioritizing other threats deemed more serious. Like Jason Russell <laughs> and Gavin. <laughs> Gavin Russell, number one on that list. <laughs> FES most wanted. After almost closing its doors in 2015, Invisible Children underwent a massive seed change. And after receiving seed funding from an anti-LRA Texas hedge fund, now runs a program providing civilians with high-frequency radios that assist them in tracking rebel movements across Congo and the Central African Republic. This effort is also not without its problems or inadequacies, such as the fact that the open radio frequency allows U.S. forces, Coney's remaining LRA forces, and corrupt government soldiers to eavesdrop on the civilian population and engage in disinformation campaigns. Civvies will report officers for theft, rape, and other crimes over the radio, and this allows the government to essentially just target them. Uh, it should also be noted that Invisible Children's Western staff are not the ones taking risks over in Africa with this radio program. That doesn't shock me in the slightest. I would recommend everyone read Foreign Policy's David Gavi Herbert's piece entitled Coney 2017, From Guerrilla Marketing to Guerrilla Warfare, to learn about how an ineffective, harmful advocacy and awareness organization evolved into a slightly different, still reckless organization. What a weird-ass scam. Yeah, and that is, uh, that is my story for this week. That is the story of Coney 2012. We don't clap enough for each other on this podcast. Oh, damn. Man. Um, before we get to the next section, I would like to do a quick little shout-out. We got a iTunes review. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to get on to it right now. First of all, apologies. We got this review on August 29th, but I assume no one reviews this even though we ask very nicely. <laughs> uh, so we apologize. It was 16 days ago. Uh, five stars. Have you seen my dog? From Martin Nell. My dad's friend, Martin Nelson. Hi, Martin. He told us to get off. He, he told us damn kids to get off his lawn. So we'll be doing that right now. Thanks, Martin, for listening. Uh, hope you're doing well. 
in the wonderful city you live in that I won't say so that our fans won't try to hunt you down. <laughs> Kill you. But thank you so much for the, the rating yeah, and review. Those are nice. Uh, please rate and review us. But now we're going to segue into our favorite segment. Self-care corner. Because sometimes on this podcast we talk about Russ stuff like Jason Russell's white savior complex. And Jason Russell's leathery dick skin in that beautiful San Diego morning when he thought he'd go jack it off in the town square. Um, That will literally never not be funny to and me. we try to, you know, talk about a good thing that's happened in our week and lives. So like I've got a up. fucking doozy. I've got a good one, too. I, mine's gonna kick your ass! You go second. I got a job. I'm happy about that. I'm working at a theater, which is good. Yeah, your orientation starts in an hour and a half. Because turns out, when you move across the country and there's no job just, like, waiting for you, it gets a little stressful. You're telling me. Like, a month and a half in, so I'm very relieved to have found employment. Plus, now I get to see free movies all the time. All right, Liam, what's your self-care corner for oh, this Oh, you know, I just went to the Hollywood Bowl on Sunday with Jane and we saw The Muppets live and in concert. Nice. I don't know if that's a big fucking thing. I know. It's the first time they've ever done that. That's really cool. Yeah, it was amazing. I laughed, I cried, I cried a lot. There's a lot of tears. <laughs> a lot of tears were shed by a lot of adults in that audience. Um, but yeah, I mean, I got, I, Kermit the Frog's been my hero since I was like, Two years old. I got to see him play a banjo on stage. Play a few notes. Yeah. He didn't do It's Not Easy Being Green. Tap an empty uh, rum jug yep. with the triple X on yeah. it. Kermit, Kermit has gone down a path. Kermit, noted alcoholic. <laughs> noted alcoholic Kermit the Frog. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Um, this Piggy was great. They did a live thing with the Swedish chef. Uh, Beaker and Bunsen might be dating. It's a great, it's a great time to be alive. It is. Uh, but yeah, that's right. it. Hey, uh, we have a new podcast on the network called The Filmographers. It's we a do. monthly podcast, and they release a new episode. Go listen to it. It's about Kyle MacLachlan. It's a fun app. Yeah. It's good app. Lenny and Katie are great hosts. Listen to the other shows on the Major Cast Network. Yep. Follow us on Twitter at Media Majors Cast. Email us at Media Majors Podcast at gmail.com. Leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. It helps small podcasts out. Thanks again to Martin for leaving us a uh, review. And it's been a while since we said this, but thanks again, Spawn on Me, for advertising our podcast. Yeah, thanks, guys. Go check, check them out because I'm sure they just they just talked about PewDiePie ask, was, saying the N word. I have a feeling that it'll be a very good episode. Uh, you can only find that on their YouTube channel right now. They will be updating their RSS feed come Tuesday. But yeah, uh, those guys are really cool. And is that cool? Can I just uh, can I fawn over Spawn on me for a second? Yeah, they're great. Let's hey, let's check into our quick sub podcast, Fawn on Me, where we fawn <laughs> on the guys from Spawn on Me. They're super rad. They're super great. They have extremely good takes. <laughs> okay, great. Let's play the closing theme song to Fawn on Me. It's Fawn on Me. Great. Okay. Glad right. that we can still do our sub podcasts. Everybody, thank you as always for listening to another episode of Media Majors. We'll catch you next week, and remember. Oh, actually, next week we're gonna stop doing the themes for a little bit because. Oh yeah. I've got a big three part story coming up, and I'm really excited for it. Hell yeah. We'll see. It might end up being two parts, but it's gonna be a multiple part story for sure. Excellent. All right. And as always, we'll be there for you. Except for you, Jason. Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.